I met Dewana Hatter at uh, Cities United convening in Minneapolis, and we connected there with some other young people uh, that are doing similar work in, in various cities, and uh, Duana uh, from Louisville originally was in Pittsburgh this past week attending a conference, and we took a, a advantage of the opportunity to sit down and catch up on work. Uh, and as we were doing so, I just felt like, man, this is really uh, a chance to to have a deeper dive into into some of the specifics because the way that they're approaching education uh, and serving first-generation college students uh, and just the kind of moment of time that it is in Louisville right now um, was uh, super inspiring uh, to me in the conversation. And I just thought, hey, let's just let's just record a podcast. So I got a chance to show her the Poise Office, talk about the My Brother's Keeper work that we're doing here in Pittsburgh and, and learn more about uh, what they're up to. And quite frankly, the uh, one of the motivations for starting this podcast project was having in, uh, conversations like this that I just wish that we had somehow recorded or, or had at our disposal uh, just to go back and relive or to share to share with others. So uh, I learned a lot from uh, uh, Duana in terms of the work, but also her own personal journey and testimony, uh, which I find to be uh, quite incredible. So uh, without further ado, uh, my conversation with Duana Hatter. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a blessing, though. All right, Duana. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. This is lit. I wouldn't <laughs> expect this, but <laughs> taking advantage of the opportunity. Heck yeah, definitely. So, um, could you introduce yourself and the work that you do, where you're from, all that? Sure. So my name is Duana Hatter, and I'm from Louisville. Kentucky. Most of the people say Louisville. Nah. I don't know where that's at. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, yeah. and I'm a student success coordinator for 55,000 Degrees, which okay. is a higher education institution that is nonprofit. And our goal is to see students to and through college, and we have a goal to increase the number of uh, post-secondary credential two-year degree and four-year degree by 55,000 by the year of 2020 mm. and we are smooth on our way to our goal so it's oh, exciting work that's wonderful so that's that's the big audacious goal huh yes yeah, a big goal okay. um, we wanted to make ourselves a work talent hub so we wanted to attract jobs compete with cities in our region and you know just be great so Talk to me a little bit about Louisville. Am I saying that right? Is you that, are yeah, saying it right. Go, Louisville. Yeah. <laughs> Louisville is amazing. I was born and raised in Louisville, um, West Louisville particularly, okay. um, where they say, you know, greatness comes. That's where Muhammad Ali is from, West Louisville. Uh, mm. So Louisville um, really is near and dear to my heart. Um, I don't know what you want to know. We are the top. The largest, the sixteenth largest city in our nation. Okay, uh, okay. We are. We have a great mayor, Mayor Greg Fisher. Mayor Greg Fisher, yeah. Um, he was actually the first person uh, that I ever heard explain how to say Louisville. We, okay. We were down there for Cities United. Uh, this would have been a little bit before you and I met. Okay. And we were meeting with uh, with with him and and some of the officials in the mayor's office there. And he he sit he sits down. He comes in and sits down. And is welcoming us to the imagine. city, and he says, "So it's so it's Louisville." And if you have any trouble uh, saying that, have a little bit of our bourbon, and you'll get right there. <laughs> That's about right. 
And so. I, I, uh, I love that. I thought that's just the coolest thing to hear from a mayor, you know? Like that's just that's a little bourbon advocacy. That's about right. Yeah, that's, you know, that's here. a fun fact. You know, we have so much bourbon in the city. You can mm-hmm. literally try a new bourbon every week yeah. for two months straight and you'll have something different each time. So wow. all of the distilleries are there. We have distilleries in our neighboring city of um, Bart's or neighboring county of Bartstown, mm-hmm. um, but we have the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. That's another. That's another endorsement. I feel you there. Another endorsement. Home of the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. Um, Louisville so Slugger. I saw the uh, the, the Louisville Slugger. We have you know the Bat Museum. Yeah. Just a lot of great stuff. You know, sometimes living there, I look over all the amazing things that happen there. But now mm-hmm. having this conversation, I'm like, my city is lit. Yeah, it's another uh, Ohio Ohio River city. Yeah. That's so crazy to find out that the Ohio River is in Pittsburgh. That's like, right, yeah. It just blows my mind. The beginning of it anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. So, okay, so let's talk about 55,000 uh, degrees. Yes. Uh, where does that name come from? That's that's interesting. I think the name just generally came from the goal, honestly. Mm-hmm. They wanted to increase um, the amount of degrees by 55,000. So they were like, hey. I love that. That's a great name. Just put it in the name. <laughs> just, every time just you're saying it, you're just speaking it. It's the brand. So yeah. it's like every time they see it, they're reminded like, oh, this is a goal. This is a 2020 goal. Mm. Um, Louisville is becoming a promised city. So we just hired an executive executive director um so we'll be a promise city here soon where all of our high school um jefferson county public school students will receive a scholarship to attend a two-year school for free after they graduate so we're really excited about that we're in our fundraising stage uh we're in pre-launch mode um so it'll be great it'll be rolling out the rest of this year to our community and then nationally and um it's gonna be amazing Hmm. but my role We'll transfer to the Louisville Promise, um, and so we're doing a lot of systems change work in post-secondary education as it regards to connecting to the community and social services and healthcare, mm. and really just becoming one conglomerate so that we can serve our students holistically and Certainly. not just serve the student, but serve the person. So Very cool. So how did you find your way into this work? Well, um, in 2013, I gra- well I graduated um, in 2012 from the Spalding University in Louisville, Kentucky. Go Golden Eagles! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there, so it was a private, predominantly white institution. There was not a lot of representation there. Uh, as far as faculty or staff and so a group of my friends and I we found ourselves struggling to navigate Hmm. through college as educated as we were as prepared as we were we still weren't ready we were I mean I almost flunked out if it hadn't just been for like inner resiliency I'll probably wouldn't have graduated um and so being an advocate for education my entire life I decided that I didn't want another student to have to experience what I experienced the entire journey from being a first-generation college student to being a first-generation college graduate. So in 2013, I founded the I'm Going to College Prep Rally, and that's how I was introduced to 55,000 Degrees. It was a brand-new program. They launched in 2010, and I met one of their street outreach coordinators at an event, shared my vision, 
They loved it. Um, so they sponsored and paid for everything. Well, they used partnerships to help this event come to life. And in 2015, uh, we accepted the Reach Higher Initiative, which was founded by former First Lady Michelle Obama. Mm. And that is an initiative that says if athletes can sign to go to college, then um, academically successful students should be able to sign to go to college as well. Love that. Um, so in 2015, we launched the Louisville College Shining Day, and it has been going on every year since. So that's how I was introduced to 55,000 Degrees, and how I was introduced to this particular role. Um, I was in a community meeting. I used to work with the mayor. Whoop, whoop. Shout out to the office for safe and healthy neighborhoods, <laughs> doing violence prevention work. True. And uh, ran into the executive director. And she was like, hey, I have a position that you might be interested in. So I learned more about the role. And it fit where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Violence prevention is near and dear to my heart. I was tired of losing friends to the streets however it wasn't my strength education has always been my passion so yeah kind of just went with the flow and yeah. here i am so i started in april built the entire program by myself of how we're going to track students how we're going to serve students it's brand new nobody knew what this work was going to look like so we all kind of just working with gumbo right now right. <laughs> everybody's just throwing together ideas and mm-hmm. we're serving students as they come to us so it's really good yeah there's uh there's i'm hearing a lot of commonality with conversations i hear here in pittsburgh mm-hmm. um we have a pittsburgh promise as well uh and there are leaders at different levels uh from the community in our corporate community universities foundations what have you that are actively thinking about how to attract students not mm-hmm. only to the region but into the conversation itself yep. and whether that's through the context of education uh, solely or through trades or through training programs uh, it's something that's front of mind for a lot of folks here so how how are you you mentioned that you built this program up how are you guys thinking about attracting students and how do you make the pitch to them we are solely focused right now on university partnerships. So we partnered with the University of Louisville. Mm. We partnered with our community college, which is Jefferson Community and Technical College. And then we also uh, partnered with, we have a historically black college in Louisville. It's Simmons College of Kentucky. And so we chose those three universities or those three higher education institutions because they have the population of African-American students. And we noticed uh, an achievement gap between African American students and their Caucasian counterparts. So we wanted to give them equitable uh, outcomes and you know inclusion and diversity and all those other buzzwords that's going around right now, nationally, locally, regionally, however. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're focusing on those students as a pilot beta program. So basically, I serve students at Jefferson and I serve students at Simmons, and I connect them to resources when they have a non-academic emergency need. So basically, if they need help with rent, utilities, childcare, transportation, they have a food insecurity or food need, I help those students connect to those resources so Mm. that they can remain focused on their academics. And the uh, goal is to... First and foremost, increased fall-to-fall retention rate, which will guarantee graduation. And then the second goal is to identify uh, barriers that these students have and create systems changes around those barriers so that they won't be barriers anymore. So yeah. it's pretty lit work. Absolutely. No, it's amazing. So, so the idea here is 
you're trying you're you're serving these students and you're meeting their basic needs so yeah. that they will stay engaged in the system yep. and can focus on it. Uh, and then that way they're matriculating successfully yep. and, and graduating. And you're working with those three universities or those three uh, institutions, yep. higher education institutions to begin with. Yep. Very cool. And how is that funded? It is, okay, so my role is funded through uh, the Lumina Foundation, which is based out of Indianapolis, Indiana. And the work itself is a community conglomerate. So we have money from Community Foundation, we have money from Lumina, and then we have buy-in from each institution to be able to provide resources to those students outside of what's already uh, offered in the community. So it's really a new way of looking at how to serve the students and how do we use or reappropriate funds that, you know, institutions already have to be able to best serve the student. how do students get involved with this? How do you how do you get access to them, or how do you get to know them? Uh, so, both universities they recruited um, their pilot program based on students who either were on academic probation or if they had like attendance truancy issues. Um, we use an early alert system at one university that's called Starfish and at the other university it's called Grad Pro. Um, so if they had like, they call them flags mm. when the flag is raised from a professor or a faculty. So we just assessed um, the data and said, okay, this population of students needs the most help right now. Mm. And we went to their classes, we held resource fairs, and we basically just did recruitment. Um, And so Jefferson is actually ahead of Simmons right now uh, because they were doing the program longer. But Jefferson has, I serve 125 students at Jefferson, and I serve 40 students at Simmons. So... Uh, we just utilize, and then the students in the program, you know, they talk. So they say, "Hey, Miss Dewana, help me get my LG&E paid," and they're telling their friends. It is also um, works as like a referral process, so they can re- be referred to me by students, faculty, or staff. This is wonderful, wonderful. What's the uh, what's the what's the vision for the future of of those kinds of engagements? Um, basically, to create either change the current system or to create a new system but we really want to remove any barrier that prevents a student um, of obtaining the education credentials that they want to so um, we are asking them what they need as mm-hmm. opposed to telling them what they need. Mm. Um, we're asking them, where do you see yourself in five years? So we're creating academic plans as well as career plans um, mm. to help them either be successful in our institutions or help prepare them for the next institution um, after they graduate and leave us. Or if they want to, because all of the credit is transferable. Um, so if they have transferable credit and they want to finish at another institution, we prepare them for that transition as well. But the main goal is to remove barriers So okay. for justice in education. Mm. So you're also pursuing your master's. I am. I'm a first year graduate student at the wow. University of Louisville Go-Karts. Um, well, you know, they've been under a lot of scrutiny lately, but it is, it is still a great institution. We have a brand new president. Um, She's amazing. Yeah. Shout out to Dr. Binda Pudi. Wonderful. Um, that's my that's my boo. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so I'm studying higher education, college student personnel to do the student affairs work. So by the time my position is grant funded, 
and that ends in 2020 and then I'm scheduled to graduate in 2020 so the two married together um by the time I graduate I'm gonna just be you know an amazing candidate <laughs> off to the races. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that so what are what is what is your research we talked a little bit about this I want to drill down a little bit yeah um what are you studying so I'm studying right now college student personnel yeah. and uh some of my research um, I recently published two op-eds in diversity, um, what is it called? It's, I think it's like higher education. I helped, I did through one of my professors. But anyway, um, it's around narrative change work and post-secondary education. So I came from a neighborhood that doesn't talk about college. Nobody knows about college. I was first generation in my family. And so I didn't know what college was until I was 17 years old. I was wow. a senior in high school when wow. I found out what college was. And I only knew what it was because everybody was talking about it. What are you doing next year? Oh, I'm going to UofL. Oh, I'm going to UK, which is the University of Kentucky. Oh, I'm going to this school and I'm going to that school. And I'm like, I want to go. Where are we going? Right. You know, just because everybody, I got caught in the hype. And so, um, it kind of just happened. <laughs> Honestly, I found myself at Spalding. Uh, one of my mentors took me to Kentucky State University. I saw all these black people in this one place. I'm like, what are they doing here? Do they work here? What's going on? I had no clue, had never been to college prior to 17. So, wow. I really want to change the narrative of how the community, those types of communities, the underrepresented, the oppressed, the depressed, um, the anxious, you know, the ones who fall through the cracks, forgotten about, the gentrified. I really want to do programming around those communities to help change how they view college, because they don't think they need it. Hmm. Um, and I'm an advocate for any type of credential past the 12th grade. So whether it be an 18-month certificate program where you could become a welder, a automotive technician, a cosmetologist, um, anything couples, everybody's like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. And you don't even know what you want to do. You don't mm. even have a product to sell. So how are you going to be an entrepreneur? So really just changing the narrative around what it means to have education past high school because right now the only thing that's in their face are four-year baccalaureate programs and let's be honest everybody's not going to be able to be successful in those programs i almost wasn't successful in that program so helping them decide well first of all educating them so that they know that they have options and hmm. then helping making sure they're prepared to make the best decision for them their families and their future Certainly. So I want to talk about that last point there. I mean, it's it's in your own personal testimony. You said you don't even know, didn't even know about college till you're yeah, 17, 17 in high school, which is astonishing. Yeah. Uh, but it, it also, it, it resonates with things that I've read recently. I think I was reading something in the New York Times um, that was taking a look at college eligible students uh, that could have um, gotten into Ivy League institutions yep. that weren't even applying because they didn't know that it was no a possibility. Yep. Uh, and it reminds me of, uh, of a scripture from my upbringing, Dad's a Pastor, where it says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot about that because you just don't know what you don't know. Yep. And that's the, that's the case for me. It's the case for you. It's the case for, for anyone. Uh, so when you're talking about narrative change, you know, before we can get to how changing how folks think about college, if they don't even know about it, you know, how do we, how do you even address that? How do you think about that? 
Well, my undergrad education is in psychology, so I'm always thinking about what people are thinking about. Yeah. And uh, so basically using, you know, my own personal experience and just, I've been serving the community since I was 16 years old. And I know that sounds so young, but I've just always had a heart. I saw my mom serve my community, the community of Louisville. So I always wanted, I just wanted to be like my mom when I grew up. So I was like, I'm going to do this too. So at 16 years old, I started volunteering at the local YMCA, and it kind of just grew from there. So, you know, shout just, out the YMCA. Whoop whoop the Y. You <laughs> no know, doubt. the Y has <laughs> formed so many brilliant minds around this nation. Right. Um, so I'm so grateful for the YMCA and what it means to me personally, and what it means to people who look like me um, as a black woman. In the country that we are in today, no shade, but um, <laughs> but um, so yeah, serving the community, just talking to the people, right? It's right. like I feel like a lot of times we take advantage of the obvious, like mm. people don't realize that community work starts with the community. Mm. You don't need to do a needs assessment. Mm. I mean, that's essential down the line to do a needs assessment and to do, you know, risk assessment and getting all these data points. But if you don't even know their names, Mm. that's a problem. And so I've always seen myself as the person that bridges the gap between knowing the people and relying on the numbers to tell the story. So, you know, Certain, I know a lot of community, you know, grassroots people, they only rely on hearing the story from the people. And then I know, like, top-edge directors that they only rely on the data that tells the stories about the people. And I'm right. like, we need both. Um, I, I've analyzed data before I know about, you know, aggregate data and, you know, just all these other big terms that we just throw out all the time. And it is important, but it's not as important as the face-to-face interaction so getting to know Mm. the people saying hey you know how do you feel about this how do you feel about that utilizing community centers which are so understaffed and underfunded and just not appreciated for the value that they bring to the community and have those community conversations about what do you? What does this look like for you? What do you, I mean? What you gonna do? You are you gonna sell drugs for the rest of your life? Cause that's a reality for a lot of our youth. Um, what you? I mean, what you gonna do? You gonna work at Walmart? Is that cool for you? No diss to working in fast food and no diss to you know those entry level positions. Anything to build your resume, do it. However, you don't want to do that for the rest of your life. So yeah. talking about what those next steps look like and how to prepare, you know, doing those career aptitude tests to mm. try to figure out what do you even like to do? Are you right. good with your hands? Are you good with your mind? Can you talk good? We can have the next motivational speaker come from Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, who knows? Go ahead, yeah. So, you know, just really just getting down in the trenches and talking to the people is obviously the obvious first step, but people just take advantage of that. So Right. So so once we, we're, we're, we're bridging these gaps, that's some Pittsburgh language there. We talk about that all the time. Uh, certainly MBK work here as well. You should, bridging those connections. All these bridges. There's four hundred and forty six There's a lot. There's a lot here. I was coming, I was like, God, there's a lot of we got three. You got three. <laughs> so I was like got three on the way here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So many bridges. Yeah, there's a lot of bridges. Yes. Yeah, one of the things we're known for certainly. Uh, but it's a good reminder for us to to embody that function. Uh, so we were talking about getting 
you know, past that first barrier, which is just knowledge, mm-hmm. just letting pe- people know what's available. Yep. But I like the way that you framed it, which is you're starting not with just uh, a bullet list of things they should know. You're asking them what they see. Yep. You're asking them what they're passionate about. You're providing experiences or, or opportunities to learn more about what they're good at. Yep. And, and you mentioned the entrepreneurial thing. It's interesting how uh, I've, I've been experiencing this too, where folks, I just want to be a businessman. I just want to be a business person. You know, I just want to do business. And yep. it's like, it, it, that's so interesting to me because for me, you got to taste things. You know what I mean? Uh, and you can absolutely do that, but if you don't know what you like yep. or what you're good at, it's going to be hard to kind of put that skill set forward uh, and make money off of it. Yep. I mean, I, I, I aspire to a lot of entrepreneurialism in my own life. Absolutely. But the things that I do now with folks or with clients, I develop that later on. I wasn't doing that stuff in high school. I wasn't making websites. I wasn't working on design right. like projects, all that kind of thing. So you got to be able to see what you like, you know? Okay, so we're ta- we, we get past the first barrier or we, we, we start to in, introduce information into it. Let's talk about the community. You talk about changing the narrative. What does that look like on a community level, on a specific community level, right? Because uh, this conversation can get very broad, very mm-hmm. quick. All of a sudden, very we're talking quick. about systems, we're talking yeah. about history. And again, that's like you said before, that's important to consider. But when it comes to West Louisville, when it comes to a, a specific community or region, how do you think about changing norms uh, and changing the narrative there? Well, that's where, you know, the research will come in. There's mm. a lot of uh, best practices, a.k.a. stolen information from other communities. Um, you know, how they... But I feel like being born and raised in Louisville and in that particular area of Louisville, the only way... And this is this is like my bread and butter. I'm sure it's a lot of people's bread and butter, too. I'm sure I'm not the first person to think of it, and I won't be the last person to do it. But... What what shifted my life was exposure to college campus. Mm. I would never have enrolled into Spalding University if I hadn't have went to K State. And it's an interesting dynamic because I visited an HBCU, but I enrolled in a predominantly white institution, which is very interesting. Another story, another podcast, another day. (laughs) But the number one mind shift is exposure. Hmm. I don't, you have to be able to, you can hear it all day, but until you see yourself there or see people there that look like you or know that you can have community there, because that's a lot of the fear, right? People don't want to leave their community because they fear they won't have community. So really Hmm. exposing them to a community that looks like them. And even if they're like me and, you know, they say, hey, okay, I see that black people go to college, but I still want to go to a predominantly white institution. That's absolutely fine. But the fact that you're able to see yourself there, sit through classes, talk to people, ask as many questions as you need, that was a paradigm shift for me. And so I think once we get past the, you know, what do you need conversation, it is let me take you to this place conversation. So how can I take you and your mom or you and grandma or you and auntie and uncle or you and your foster mom? Because we don't know what types of households these children come from. So to engage the entire family from jump, We're seeing a lot of lack in parent engagement. And I'm like, because y'all doing it backwards. You want to engage the parent 
reactively when you need to engage the parent from the very beginning. Mm. Because if you get the parent buy-in, the student is going to feel more comfortable with coming to your institution. I don't know why that's rocket science, but whatever. Um, So, yeah, engaging the entire family, the entire community, because then it can act or serve as a handoff. Um, I know a lot of student affairs professionals, they, what's the term, parentis, whatever it is, where they take parental control while the parent's not there, and it just becomes this handoff, this community where, you know, they can pick up the phone and call mom, not snitching, but, you know, just, hey, can you help me get so-and-so in check? Um, But then you build a community before the student is even on your campus, which Mm. makes the transition more comfortable. Right. So you're already, you're already... Um, affecting the environment that they're going to walk into and that sense of community. And that's a really important, that's a, that's a step that I haven't considered in my own life. I went to Penn state and my first college visit there, I I, I wanted to go there. I'd made up my mind, but went up there to schedule classes and I was walking on the old main campus and was just like, this is a real place. And I remember walking up to, to a tree and just like grabbing one of the leaves and being like, this is a real place. And like, I am going to be here. Um, and it's like, you're, you're just bringing that back to, to, uh, to my mind because I could see myself there. And uh, I wasn't jumping into a sense of community there in that way, but I was I was gonna have an opportunity. Yeah. Um, but seeing myself was was so important there. Okay, so we're, we we're bringing information, we're providing opportunities, we're engaging the parent, the family unit as yep. it is. You mentioned so many different uh, varieties of of family structures. We're doing that proactively. Yep. We're being intentional about the the environment that the student is ex- being exposed to, and then that they can be walking into. Uh, are, there, are there other steps that folks should, should keep in mind? I would just say keep the student need in mind and mm. not the objective of the organization. Because mm. um, I know a lot of times, you know, our organizations are founded on these amazing missions and visions and right. purposes and principles. Yeah. And we have our 10 core values <laughs> and it's just great. It's great and yeah. we're, you know, gung-ho <laughs> about, you know, representing this organization. Yeah. But we can't let that guide the work, especially when you're working with another human being. You have to take them as they are. Mm. Um, you have to accept them as they come. So I'm also a believer, and so I, you know, I look at how Jesus taught the parables, and he met the people where they were. So anytime a student comes to your office, you don't know what else is going on. Like, there have been so many students that have come to me for one thing, and after the second meeting, they really open up and tell me what's really going on. So, like, they'll come to me for help with LG&E when really they're being beat at home or they're Mm. being raped by a family member or whatever else is going on. So remember that we are working with real people in real situations and you have to be real with them. You have to be open with them and vulnerable with them. Uh, I've had to learn how to train my facial expressions. Mm. Um, Cause you don't want you don't want to look wild when they come to you with a wild topic. Cause mm. then they'll shut down immediately. Like, oh my god, I said too much. And then also learning how to control your temper. I don't play by my babies, and I'll be ready to shoot somebody. But I can't go jail. Cause if I go jail, I can't serve my students. So I really had to, you know, hone that in and really. 
I would say the most important thing as somebody doing this type of work is to find an outlet Hmm. Um, because there's so much stuff that we take in on a daily basis from our work. Any type of social sciences, whether you're doing violence prevention, education, any human interaction, you need an outlet Hmm. (laughs) because if you don't have an outlet, you're going to find yourself carrying it on your own shoulder and you're like, I'm not even dealing with that. That's not even, you know, so find a healthy balance. Right. It's interesting you mentioned uh, Jesus in the parable there's something else I think about in this work where he said uh, my burden is light yes. my burden is light yes. and, and the, the stuff that you encounter in this work can be very very heavy yes, it can. and so it's a reminder for me to consider what I am holding actively yep. uh, and to keep my self care uh, front of mind for me personally because I don't want to make things harder on myself because yep. then I'm just less available That's right. to the needs of the people that I'm trying to serve or even just to the things that come up during the day right. you know like I, I find myself lost in thought sometimes uh, and ruminating and and I'm creating friction for myself sometimes yep. so yes. uh, let's wrap up here but talk a little bit about that self-care if you could um, and and just ways that, that you find to have that outlet self-care looks different for me than it did like a month or two ago. Because okay. you hear self-care and you're like, oh, I'm going to get a massage. Or I'm yeah. going to get my nails done. Or, you know, whatever. Just time away from everything else. But I really think um, now that I'm starting to hear the stories and I'm starting to meet with the students, self-care is of finding a way to be emptied. Um, so I read a lot. I'm an avid reader, whether it be... Um, the Bible or, you know, anything. I love nonfiction. I love sci-fi. I love self-help books. Just anything that can take my mind away from what's going on around me into another area. Um, I'm single with no children, so self-care is traveling a lot. Uh, (laughs) I travel as much as I can. I stick my toes in sand as much as I can. It's just something about those waves and just being able to talk. And then being a believer really, really helps because I'm able to go to God and be like, you've trusted me with this group of people. Now show me how you want me to handle them and help me handle them by taking some of this because I don't know what to do with it right Hmm. now. And he has literally given me strategies. He, you know, it's become a prayer point. Um, You know, I intercede for my students and, you know, even if they don't believe, I'm just like, God, this is what you created. Um, So help me with that. So self-care looks a lot different than it did six months ago. Mm. I mean, I still get massages. I still get my nails done. Um, But it's, it's more to it than that. It's really taking a holistic inventory of where I'm currently weak Mm. and focusing on that. Yeah, I love the I love the uh, the imagery um, of being emptied, this uh, being poured out as a mm-hmm. living sacrifice, just just putting it all out there, um, and being open and honest about what it is that you're dealing with, what you do and Absolutely. do not understand, because you know there's not a lot of sometimes there's not a lot of understanding that's forthcoming or exactly. that's just immediately available. That's why finding your tribe is mm. so important. Find people in this field, whatever field you're in or represent whatever mountain you represent, find people who you know you can trust, who you know you can open up to and vent and they not cuz you know a lot of times I've been to people and they're like, "Well, this is what you chose." didn't really need to hear that right now like <laughs> i know this is what i chose i right. just need you to be an 
active listener right now so right. I can get this out mm-hmm. and go on about my day. So finding your tribe in this work is phenomenal. And it might not, they might not be locally. Like, mm. it could be nationally. When you take advantage of national conferences and you make connections like we made, right. you know, you're able to meet people who have similar journeys and have similar goals and they want to serve people. But, you know, we have similar struggles as well. So just being able to be like, I got your back. And mm. you know that I could pick up the phone at any time and be like, I just need to vent and just get it out. And it's not going to be, it. people will be receptive and not be like, pick me on the wrong day. So right. find a child. I love it. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. No doubt. Where, uh, where can people find out about the work that you're doing or connect with you or learn more about 55,000 Degrees, whatever? So you can connect with me on all social media outlets at the Dewana that's spelled T H E E D E W A N A. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, you can find out more about Fifty Five Thousand Degrees at www dot Fifty Five Thousand Degrees. The number is is the it's the number, not the word. Dot mm-hmm. um, org. Um, our Louisville Promise work will be on there, so you'll be able to click the link to find out more about the Louisville Promise. Yeah, and you'll see me there. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Dewana. Thank you it's for having good to, me. Good to see you. All right, Josiah here again. I hope you enjoyed that conversation uh, as much as I did. If you want to connect with Dewana, please uh, reach out to her on social media as she detailed. I'll make sure it's also linked up in the show notes, uh, as will be the URL for 55,000 Degrees, so you can learn more about their approach, their model, their history, uh, and reach out to them directly uh, should you so choose. So thanks for listening in, and we'll see you next time.